1: You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello, and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Buck. Joining me today is, is Anton Rosgaard, and, and we have a bunch of things to talk about. Exciting times! It, it's good to be excited about hockey again, isn't
0: it, Anton? Yes, yeah, the right time of the year to be excited as well, because obviously we were excited there in January, February when the Canadians went off to a seven-two and one start. But it's better to feel excited now when the playoffs are looming, and uh, yeah, all times are. Uh, it, it's a sweet time of the year.
1: It, it really is, you know, especially in Montreal, and you know the weather starts to get nice. And when the weather starts to get nice, people in Montreal just go start going crazy. And and, yeah. and you know, with with the pandemic and everything, it's not as crazy. But I was out yesterday and there were starting to be Canadians' car flags on the cars. Yeah. That, that that's a sure sign of playoffs. When when you don't have to worry about the snow anymore and and the Canadians are still playing hockey, that's that's what happens, is the, the car flags start coming out. And that's that that's a a gauge of You know, you can't look at bars anymore. You can't look at the Bell Center. You can't look at stuff like that anymore. The car flags are the only indication of the excitement in the city. And if they, if people didn't have their car flags out before Saturday's game, I'm pretty sure they would have them out after Saturday's game. Yeah, Uh, it was, it was one of those performances, and even Friday's game, they, they were both performances that make that losing streak that that one, you know, win one, lose one. So frustrating because we know, you know, it's so easy to say, you know, when this team loses games, oh, they were never as good as their start. Yeah. But 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 all, all throughout the season, we've seen this team play so good and, and so exciting and, and attack and relentless. And that's what we saw Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter if they go down two goals because they, they feel like they can come back. And, and that was so positive. And then obviously, you know, Cole Caulfield's game-winning goal. I, I You know, I haven't really missed fans in the building that much. Like, I, I've gotten used to it a little bit. But that's one goal where you wish fans were in the building.
0: Yeah, of course. It was the same. I I felt the same as with Eric Stahl's game-winner as well. Yeah. Obviously, it was his first game and everything. And he comes in and he just – there is something – in general, with an overtime winner, right? But when the right player gets to score it, and now, obviously, you wrote the recap, so I saw that as well, that it was the first first of two players <laughs> who have scored their first Canadians goal in overtime as a game winner, right? Or their first NHL goal. Yeah, for the first
1: game. NHL goal, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he was the first one since 1941, right? Yeah. And it's just... I mean, Cole Caulfield is such a likable player just from the start with his big smile and his energy. And, you know, he has a lot of things working against him by being 5'7 five, five, and and just otherworldly talent when it comes to goal scoring. And and he won the Hobie Baker, get, Hobie Baker Award, gets two games in Laval, scores three goals and then gets called up and he has to sit because of the roster management and then he gets his chance. And... We have to realize as well the Canadians are pretty depleted by now. They are missing their captain, their starting goaltender, who is one of the best in the world. They are missing Jonathan Drouin, Tomas Tatar, who, who was the best point getter last season. They are missing Paul Byron who was out as well, right? Um, and am I forgetting someone? I think I'm forgetting another forward. I,
1: I think that's. No, I think you got everybody. That, that's six. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, there are <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but it still feels like. I mean the team has such depth that this is what th- this is what Bergman planned for right to have this kind of when five six guys are gone like last season there's no way the canadians would even be competitive so you just you just knew that if the team team actually went into the playoffs and you had a f- couple of injuries you wouldn't be able to compete yeah. well but,
1: you th- know I could hear people screaming at us already because i just remember brendan gallagher of course. Uh, is all- <laughs> of course yeah exactly I knew there was someone missing <laughs> so yeah I mean it, it's it's funny because you see this team play Friday and Saturday and you don't even feel like you miss those guys which is crazy oh. to think about you know because there's been times when you know because we're like a week away from them you know this team looking absolutely hopeless without Brendan that- Gallagher
0: yeah but that's the problem as well right <laughs> so it's like as we've talked about before, the only thing consistent about this time is their inconsistency, right? Yeah. So so one week is just high, high, high. And, and we have to remember as well, it could have gotten a lot worse this weekend. I mean, there were two mm-hmm. goals down in both games. Yeah, Yeah. so even if they played well and they played better than their opponents, it could still have ended up with two losses. And we would have sat, sat here and just been like, we are missing Gallier, we are missing okay. leadership, as we were talking about last week. So it's yeah. really small margins.
1: Yeah, and instead of instead of being two points behind Winnipeg, Calgary yeah. could be two points behind Montreal, right? Like yeah,
0: it, it's it's things like that that that
1: make it you know the, the margins are very small. And and yeah. in, in the NHL, the margins are small. I mean, look yeah. at look at Dallas. You know, and you know Dallas had a crazy schedule, like like Montreal, like Vancouver. You know, maybe not as as extreme because. Dallas has been going on since basically their season started because they, they got a delayed start. But you know that, that's a team that made the Stanley Cup final last year, and now is is battling for a playoff spot, and it, the, the margins are small. Yes, absolutely. But it, it's it, I I people like disconnect themselves when they're when this team does bad. Things. Oh, this team is is bad. The the coaching is awful. But it, it's 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 too simplistic to think that way. Like it's you, you, see this team, the way that, you know, bouncing back and Jeff Petrie taking over games. And it's a team that, that when it, when it's on, it's, it's a, it's hard to see them lose. And I don't mean to see hard. you know, you can see how they can lose. I mean, they were down two goals in the last two games, but there's something about this team when they decide to say, you know what, we're down 2 let's just go for it. And, that's something that's been missing so often this season, right? They give up yeah. the first goal. They, they fall behind in, in games that they're dominating. They give up the first goal and then they just kind of fall apart. Winnipeg, you know, on Friday was a good example of that. Even, even Ottawa, the game was kind of back and forth, but you know, you, they, and then the other team gets that first goal and you're like, Oh, here we go. And, and they, to their credit, they, they bounce back. The power play is a big part of that, right? When you can, when you can get a power play, Uh, a power play goal in in, you know, let's say even one third of your power plays that's huge right because you get a goal and that completely changes the game and even when it was two nothing against ottawa on saturday i was like listen there's still 13 minutes left in this game they get one goal and and they're 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 right back in this and sure enough they get that goal they get a goal that was disallowed and we've seen them crumble after things like that too. exactly the the next the next shift uh, after the power play Jake Evans draws another pe- penalty, and sure, and Toffoli scores the goal, and and it, it's just even three on three. They look like they knew what they were doing this time, <laughs> right? Like,
0: but it, but, it, but it, don't you think as well? Don't you think as well that is just something? The fact that the Canadians have had to battle through so many so many things this season have, yeah. I mean, that kind of makes you uh, as a team you kind of plug in different holes. Uh, I mean, not at the same time, but it yeah. kind of. You you realize that oh the power play isn't working uh, oh you realize the penalty kill isn't working oh uh, you realize the play in their own zone doesn't work at times so, <laughs> so you kind of like uh, and then you realize the three on three doesn't work because yeah. you lose all these overtime games and and so you have to shuffle the lines you have to tr- keep trying keep trying keep trying and then you've ha- had the benefit of having a lousy north the northern division so you haven't had that gun to your head every game you you were able to lose a couple of games here and there. Mm-hmm. And be able to, even if you have injuries, that you're still, you you're remaining competitive. And now I just feel like I don't think any team wants to go up in a seven-game series against Montreal. Because, yeah, they're going to lose a couple of games. They're going to look like shit every other game or so. But they will on the nights when they are on. And that can very well be four games out of a seven-game series. It's very difficult to beat Montreal.
1: Yeah, it's similar to last year. In, in the postseason right
0: yeah you know they, yeah. They, they they were 24th in the league yeah.
1: you know and and then they come in they, they they traded Kovalchuk they traded Scandella they traded Cousins they traded Thompson like those are you know they had Xavier Ouellette and, and a rookie Jacob Alex was, I, I was playing was in the say, playoffs. No, they weren't <laughs> like,
0: exactly tra- trading otherworldly talent there no
1: but but it's just NHL players right and, yeah. you know Dale Weiss was playing in the playoffs for Montreal <laughs> last year
0: like <laughs> yep. it's and, and you know
1: it's just but still they they the best players came and and they were able to to do, and this is a much better team than it was last year right even even if you consider the injuries you know this team is better but it's just this team has uh ups and downs and in the playoffs you know mark verhoven says a lot anything can happen but really anything can happen <laughs> and and you know when this team gets together and there's a lot of stanley cup champions on this team and i know that that's something that's said a lot but when it gets to game one of the playoffs, and, and I said this before, we won't really know what this team is until game one of the playoffs. And and, and and I feel like now we're starting to see that 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 mentality take over. Like they, they just look like a completely different team. Yeah. Friday against Winnipeg, Saturday against Ottawa. And it's it's encouraging because that's what this team was built to do.
0: I like the fact that the injuries have uh, have made it possible for guys like Jake Evans and archery Leikonen to play in a more mm-hmm. more in a more offensive in more offensive roles, yeah. and ha- it has made it possible to see a fourth line of made up of gritty veterans who <laughs> yeah, they may not have the speed anymore, but I mean, it's still it's still guys who can compete and they can actually add something of value. You know that Eric Stahl hasn't been the best since he came into Montreal, but you know that he still he can yeah. just L- look at Toronto. And- Toronto's yeah. building
1: a, a great team with a 4 line like that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and we kind of we kind of were making fun of them, at least me, in the beginning of the <laughs> season, for adding all these gritty veterans because they just looked old and slow. But I kind of like old and slow. I, I, I mean to just compliment the others in the team guys like uh, josh anderson who have you know just this incredible speed on skates um and and just seeing seeing like the different role players um it's just it's just nice to see you have yeah. you have offensive defensemen you have defensive defensemen you have guys who can skate you have guys who can stand in front of the goalie and just take him out when yeah. needed you have nick susuki who just in the power play he just he has found his spot. He knows where he <laughs> exactly. should be on the powder public. It's just yeah, Tyler Foley, twenty-seven goals in his in his in his first season, and, and he's he's locked up for three more years on four point twenty-five million.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's
1: funny. You know, you mentioned uh, Suzuki, and we'll get into the, the players of the month in, in just a bit. But you know, the the, the funny thing is that the, the only thing you know when you face adversity, when you can get through it and get over that hump. Uh, it makes you dangerous, and and that's what we're seeing with Montreal. They're getting through it, and you know what? You, you mentioned the the old and slow fourth line. Playoff hockey is not very fast, no. <laughs> so you know th- that's why guys like you know even Shea Weber right last year he looked so good in the playoffs. It's because hey, playoff hockey is a slog, and you know Mark Verschwein said there's guys that get you in and get guys that get you through. Montreal has a bunch of guys that can get them through. Uh, so now that they're pretty much in. Uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to watch going forward. And yeah, you know, I, like I said, I don't think that we'll get a full view of this team until the, until game one of the playoffs, until we see what what this team can do in playoff time when everyone puts it on the line and the level of play just goes up for everyone whether you're, you know, Montreal or, or any
0: other team. That's the thing. Bergevin didn't build the team this season to get to the playoffs, right? They wanted more. That's why they kind of sacrificed uh, sacrificed a bit of maybe the regular season to bring in these guys like Froelich and, and Perry and Eric Stahl. They are not guys who will develop. They will... Yeah. they they don't have a lot more to give they have they are on, in their last last percentile of their hockey <laughs> careers but as you say they are guys who can get you through the playoffs yeah. when it's difficult we saw cory corey perry last year with dallas i think he yeah. was a big impact on them making it all uh, making it all the way to the to the finals right he's been there before yeah. and if you have guys like perry and eric Stahl, and obviously yeah you have the captain weber who hasn't actually won a title but but he's been with the team for a long time and yeah you just all of these things combined I just think that we've been lacking leadership but when you come to a playoff series there are a lot of guys who have been there before and know how to get through
1: that kind of explains what they were doing with the roster right we can we, you know when we when, when they got, put themselves in that situation where it's like oh they can't call anybody up right until the playoffs right they put Gallagher on long-term injured reserve he's out for the season and they use that buffer and they, they use their recalls and, they're, you know, you know that they want to rotate guys in like Jake Evans and, and even Cole Caulfield. But we knew that come playoff time, they would be able to rotate these guys in, right? Because there's no cap in the, in the, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they even sacrificed a little bit of their running to the, to the finish line in order to, you know, make themselves better in the playoffs. So even that kind of speaks to what Merck Bergevin's goal is. Right, yep. and and I think that that's, uh, proving to be effective, especially with the injuries now, and, yep. and and you know going through that. So, but yeah, we mentioned Suzuki; he was the bright spot in April, and, and you know he's turning on his play, like we saw in the postseason, and you know even the beginning of the season when you know the Patrice Bergeron comparisons were starting, uh, with Nick Suzuki, and you know he had a great month of April, and he he he's turning it on now you mentioned the power play finding his spot uh ironically opposite of where cole caulfield is so you know <laughs> and shea weber so you know it, it's it's not uh it, it's not like it's going to compete against them but having that option to have a guy who can pass like suzuki and shoot like suzuki because remember last year when he was making those cross-ice seam passes to tatar yeah on the power play now having the threat to shoot as well mm. uh that's that's going to be a big advantage to the Canadian power play.
0: It really is. And it just, you have a lot of pieces to to build with in the power play now. So just with a whole preseason for Cole Caulfield, even more time to develop for guys like Kotkaniemi and obviously Suzuki. And, and it's just going to be interesting to see what, if Alex Burrows get, gets to stay or whoever comes in to work on the power play, it's just going to be interesting to see how, Nick Suzuki can continue to develop because he's a deceptive player, and if he can, if he can add even more uh, to the shot he's already shown, he, he's going to be a very dangerous player to face in in a in a power play, especially. But just it, it just feels like something something obviously clicked in the, at the beginning of the season for Suzuki. It started off with very strong. Um, And then obviously a bit of a sophomore slump, but he wasn't bad. It was just that it didn't go his way. Basically, he was a bit invisible. He wasn't exactly, but you you can't expect too much from a 22 year old sophomore center, right? Who is put into a top six role consistently. It's going to be a bit of slump here and there, but it feels like he has turned the corner now and and he had a great April, month of April and he had a he had a goal last night as well and yeah. uh, it was unfortunately disallowed but then he just set up to to Foley for the for the yeah. game time goal instead. So
1: yeah, you know, it's he's a, he's a guy we talk about guys that are that raise their game in the playoffs and everyone raises their game but some guys just perform better in the playoffs. Yeah. Suzuki is one of those guys, right? Think about last year in the bubble you know he kind of he he kind of made Max Domi expendable. He became the number one center. Even he, he even surplanted you know Philip Deneau in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know Danault was was moved to more uh, a defensive role. Not even playing with with you know obviously Gallagher was hurt at the end end. But uh, you know they they kind of split up that line. And you know go back to the OHL playoffs right in that run when you know they were down three nothing and he he kept on he, he had a amazing playoff run with with Guelph mm. uh, in, in the OHL and you know that's one of the things that players do you know Arturi Lekenden right he had a it's a long time ago but if you remember the the series against the New York Rangers he was one of the top scorers you know they didn't score very many goals but he was there as, and, as a young player and, and obviously and- for Lunda yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. could hear I could hear the you know Patrick yelling Yeah, at us, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, obviously for Lunda, and that's where you know playoff luckin and got its its hashtag, and um, you know that that's you know he has a, a knack of of getting up in those in those big moments, and it, it's one of those things where there, there there's going to be different players that that need to step up in in the playoffs, and it, it's. That's where Montreal has these guys that you, you get encouraged when they step up. You know Josh Anderson in a seven-game series is going to be a pain to play against. Like, yeah. it, 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 there's just no way to round it. Like if you're if you have to face him and his combination of size and speed, he's the kind of player that Montreal was dreaming of.
0: Was, the last few, like, that was like that was what Bergevin wanted when yeah. he when he tried to sign Milan Lucic, and thankfully yeah. he got something even better. <laughs> better now he yeah, had to exactly. wait for a few years, but he got a yeah. younger, better, more speedy, and and more, yeah, um, both, yeah, yeah, better scorer in Josh Anderson. So it was worth the wait. Yeah,
1: he, you know even Tyler Toffoli, he's a guy that that you know he's won a Stanley Cup, and he's a guy who can you can see how his game will translate to the playoffs. Yeah. And and, you know, all these guys, you know, Anderson has a speed, Suzuki has speed, but you, you, it's all guys who process the game well. That's the guy, those are the guys that play well in the playoffs. Lekkinen is a great example of that as well, right? So, like I said, the playoff game, it slows down a little bit. And there's little things that that you can do to make yourself better. You know, Jake Evans, I think, is a guy who can do that as well. You know, it's going to, if the Canadians get healthy for the playoffs, there's going to be some really hard decisions some really hard decisions. And we've talked about the depth of this team. Even Michael Fulik is playing well right now. Like he's a guy who, you know, wasn't even in consideration for a spot in in the playoffs, right? We're talking about Caulfield and and Evans and guys like that, Uh, you know, and now they have Belzel and Paling on the taxi squad. If, if guys get hurt as well, like there's going to be a lot of potential and going into next year, is going to be very interesting as well so you know it, there's there's reason for optimism around this team and that's a good segue to the future and i yeah. mentioned paling and and yeah. you know he has turned turned around he is i, I don't to, yeah he's turned around his career this season you know last year was a really hard year for him and it wasn't easy he was getting used to professional hockey and I, I didn't see anything that made me scream, that screamed NHL player. You know, he, he, there's especially
0: nothing. Especially difficult. No, but was especially difficult for him since he started off the way he did right. in his NHL yes. career. Th- that, so didn't help. He goes, that didn't help. He goes all summer and it's just like on this cloud, right? He, he, he knows he's going to make the team. He's going to just fly out of the gates. And then he doesn't. And Nick Sasuki surpasses him. And Kotkaniemi, obviously, I mean, Kotkaniemi comes down for a short stint in Laval and he just, you know, he shows what the difference is between playing in Laval and playing in Montreal. Right. So he just bounces back. Even Jake Evans. Yeah, exactly. But while paling, it's just like struggling to even make an impact in Laval. So it's just going to be, I mean, the way he has turned the corner, as you say, this season, it just shows you where his head is right now, where he is at mentally just feels like he has accepted what he is. And while, when he did that, he, like, he flourished all of a sudden. You can see, I can see much more potential in Ryan Paling now than I did two years ago.
1: Oh, for sure. You look at last year, last year in the AHL, 36 games, five goals, eight assists.
0: Yeah, that's terrible.
1: (laughs) This year, 28 games, 11 goals, 14 assists. Like it's, it's night and day. Like he almost had as many points in April Mm. than he did all of last season in 36 games. And, and it's. Yes, the team around him is a little bit better, obviously. You know, the, the, the division might be a little bit worse, yes. But it's the things he does on the ice that stick out to you. He didn't do that consistently last year. Like, watching the Laval Rocket last year, there were games when I didn't notice Paling at all. Like, I I, couldn't, I honestly could not point out one play that Paling made in the AHL last year. Like, he scored some goals, he did some things, and he played, you know, some top-line minutes and just... I, I don't remember any of those five. Like there was just nothing memorable about that season, but this season he's just taken his game to a different level. And I think that, you know, I don't know if it was being with the team in the bubble and being so far out of it or having the experience in the, the off season with, with Joel Bouchard. I don't know what it was, but it's, this is, you know, he's, he, he has, middle, like, I didn't think that he would be a scorer at professional level, but now he can be, like, a, a third line, maybe even second line, you know, center uh, at the NHL level, and, and that's just, that's huge for this team, right? Because you you look at this team right now, the Canadians, they have Jesperi Kotkaniemi on the wing. I don't think he's going to be a wing long-term, but to have the ability to put Kotkaniemi with Dano as an example, and, and when they're healthy, I, I don't think that that's what's going to happen, but you put him there, Palin can slot in, Evans can slot in at center. That's that's key for this team because you know, a couple of months ago we were talking about okay, if Jake, Jake, Evans decks out, who plays center? Paul Byron? Like, and so having these options in your organization, Lucas Vedamo is another guy who can step in and play center. It's so so important for this, for this organization. And it, it's almost like this team has, you know, I don't want to say too many centers, but they have options. Right, if Philip Deneau chooses to go somewhere else in free agency, I'm not saying Ryan Paling and Jake Evans can replace Philip deno but the pressure is a little bit less to find. You know, you don't need two guys to replace deno right? No. You can you can get one veteran, and then you have people behind him that, that can step in. And yeah, Paling has been so good that that line with with Joseph Landisi and Joel Teasdale, and uh, you know when when it wasn't Teasdale and it was you know Jake Lucchini and so many guys on, on this Rocket team are playing well, and, and that's the thing. Like, there's so many guys that I want to see have a look at the NHL level. Yeah. When in the past it was like, okay,
0: Hudol and yeah. uh, Evans. Man, who and Who else? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it who? It was just a bunch of guys. Right. Like n- now yeah. it's actually guys who are. I mean, I want them. I want to see Ilanen, for example, get a chance at the NHL level and yeah. see what he can do. Do with preseason
1: this next year. Preseason next yeah. year is going to be. It, it's. It's. They say it's going to be a shortened preseason but i just want to see these guys play like like relative nhl games like it's not gonna be nhl obviously it's preseason uh not every team is going to have their best players but i just want to see them integrate with you know katkin and suzuki and you know guys like that i want to see them in, in that kind of environment. Cause we haven't seen that. We haven't seen up until, you know, three games ago, we didn't see Caulfield like that. Uh, no. We, we didn't, we haven't seen Ryan Peeling 2.0 like that. We haven't seen Ulan. we haven't seen Betamo. Um, and, and the de-
0: defenseman as well.
1: Right. Laskin and then Brooke. Brooke, well, is, yeah, Brooke is a great example. Flurry. Yeah. You know, he was coming back from injury. So yeah, it's, I'm, I'm excited to see these guys get a chance and, and to get a look at a training camp or maybe in, even in the postseason. Uh, when when they have you know the the original taxi squad uh, in the yep. playoffs and, and guys of practice, so it's going to be interesting to see how how this team goes. But it's nice to have options, and, and that's that's the great thing about this this team and and this organization right now is even if things go badly in the NHL level, it, it doesn't live and die at the NHL
0: level anymore. If you look at his two last goals, his tenth and eleventh of the year. It just screams confidence, both of those. I mean, he just he just takes the puck and he just knows where he's going to put it and he just beats the goaltender clean. And it just, those kind of plays were not something you saw from Ryan. If you look at Ryan Poehling's goal in his game against Toronto two years ago, it was, you know, it was fluky goals, really. I mean, he yeah. had a hat trick, but it was really only one of the goals that would a real goal and then it was you know it, it there is there is something very intriguing about these kind of gallagher uh ugly goals <laughs> in front yes. of the in the crease right of course but that's not the kind of player paling has been so it was not that kind of game he was going to play long term anyway and the way he just has used his speed and yeah come in like it's just ram paling has added another one or two dimensions to his game and it just it looks really good on him um, so yeah. yeah, center depth, it's, I'm all for it.
1: <laughs> and speaking of, of potential center depth, uh, he's not really a center, but Sean Farrell, uh, it's star. Is, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's funny because w- when you look at late round picks, uh, smaller players, remember, like there was all this buzz about rep pit, like when, when he was mm-hmm. drafted and like uh, people were like, Oh, he's better than Cole Caulfield. <laughs> yeah. Like, remember there, there were people that, that thought that that was the best pick the Canadians made uh, at the yeah. draft. Um, I still think that they didn't adjust for the numbers that Caulfield had, but um, yeah, you know, Sean Farrell is kind of what people thought Rhett Pitlick was. And I'm not saying he's going to be the best player in the draft. But I'm just saying he has this ability to play offense. Like mm. not many people and Yes. He shouldn't have even been in the USHL this year, right? He should have, like, he should, probably would have been, uh, and, you know, he's going to go to Harvard next year. And he was an older player for the USHL this year. But it's, it's one thing to be an older player in the league, and it's another thing to just dominate that league mm-hmm. as an older player, right? Like, if you're going to play in a league a second year, you want to be dominant, and he was. Yeah. 72 assists 101 points in 53 games he also had 29 goals by the way um not bad
0: do you remember what Cole Caulfield tweeted when Sean Farrell was selected by the Canadians <laughs> I, I do yep. I do remember that yeah. it was a steal yeah <laughs> yeah if Cole
1: Caulfield uh says that you're a good uh, a, a good player in a steal then uh yeah you know if you have one short player who can score and mm. one short player who can pass. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be the third guy on that line.
0: Yeah, I, I would rather take a short, a short, uh, a short player who has, who has, uh, you know, who has a lot of talent than having a tall player who is less talented, like an <laughs> Arvid Henriksen or, you know, not, not to shit on him, but it's just, it's just, Sean Farrell was consistently ranked as a second-round player, and then he dropped to the fourth round. And we have to remember, like, it's not that the Canadians were. Just scooping him up in the in the fourth round, they actually selected both Jack Smith and Blake Blake Biondi, right before him. Yeah. So it's kind of like they must have been lower on Sean Farrell as well than draft analysts were. Uh, but the fact that they actually got him into the organization and yeah, it, as you said. He played a second year in the USHL. He shouldn't have even been there. We should have seen him in the NCAA this season. But if you get that chance, you better make something good with it. And scoring a three-digit number of points in a season—I mean, that—that's kind of that shows everyone that you're ready for the next step, uh, and that you're—you know—you can just refine different things that you wouldn't be able to do when you're just too good for a league. And it just feels like. Uh, it's going to be so intriguing to see what he can do, uh, uh, you know, playing playing yeah. uh, NCAA hockey next year.
1: Yeah, you know, he, he was 57th in our consensus draft rankings. Farrell was, yeah. so yeah, he, he was he was a consensus second round pick, uh, yeah. and obviously, due to whatever concerns, he he dropped in the draft. But he he really showed heights. himself this season.
0: I mean, uh, it is well, hot. It, it is it is to a
1: certain extent, but I mean, you know, I guess you know it's the same same league that Cole Caulfield dropped to 15th somehow. So yeah. I, I, you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, it, it is hype, but I mean, it, I guess there's, if you don't have that elite skill set when you're small um, and you're more of a cerebral player instead of a fast player, uh, right. I guess that's what happens. I mean, look at Johnny Goudreau, right. You know, he, he, he was a late round, a late later pick as well. Yeah. And, and I think that hockey people don't know how to uh, evaluate Small players when they aren't super fast or super great skaters, and that nope. that was a knock on Caulfield as well, right? He's like, oh Alex. yeah,
0: yeah, Alex DeBrincat, the same. Yeah. he
1: yep. doesn't have a great he doesn't have a great stride. He's not a fast skater, um, and and you know they think the game well, but you know these guys have had to be small players their entire lives. Yeah, so they they get used to it, right? And especially when you can dominate like Farrell, like Caulfield, you know. Yes, there's going to be small players who fail. But when you can dominate like these players do, that says something to you because everyone's gunning for you when you're a smaller player.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't rate because everyone keeps saying like if you're small, you have got to be very fast because yeah. you you won't like otherwise you won't survive in such a physical <laughs> league as the NHL. Well, I mean that's not really true. It's better to be smart because like you're <laughs> gonna get tackled anyway because you you can't just avoid five five lumberjacks on right. the ice for yeah. for sixty minutes a game. It doesn't work like that. But if you're smart and if you can make plays and set up your teammates, or I mean you have to have a talent of some kind that is just better than the taller players, right? <laughs> right exactly. so you have to be more deceptive or you have to have, you know, a better, especially better, being smart, going to the right places. Like Cole Coffey's goal yesterday is perfect. He just, he knows how he's supposed to beat Stützlin to, to get into <laughs> yeah. that position. And w- once he does, he's just, he knows that he's going to score and and he does with a one-timer, yeah. perfect. And it's just, yeah, uh, that's, yeah. and that's kind of like Sean Farrell as well. I mean, he, he's just, he knows that he's smarter than, all of the other players on the ice. So he just knows he's one, two, three steps ahead of everyone. And that is, and that is what makes him an intriguing prospect. Yeah. And
1: you, you mentioned Caulfield knowing that he's going to score. Yeah. I, I rewatched the, uh, the, the highlight of his goal right when he, right before he speeds up and guns for the front of net, he bangs his stick. Not not like a, a beaver tap, but like he just bangs his dick to be like, "Hey, I'm here, Jeff. I'm gonna be here." I and it's kind of like a wide receiver when he knows yeah. he has a step on 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 the cornerback before he even has the step on the cornerback. He just knows yeah. he hasn't beat. That's what Caulfield did. He's like, listen, this guy doesn't have the the, the speed to catch me. I'm going to be open. Look for yeah. me. And and that's exactly what he did. Not, not to go too much off topic of the barrel here, but yeah, Caulfield is just not only does he like scoring goals and he knows he's good at scoring goals. He just, he, he knows how to score goals. And that's even more important um, yeah. than, than, you know, everything else. And we're going to finish it off with our players of the month. And and someone that we talked about a little bit is, is Matthias Norlander. And mm. He's had a really up and down year, right? Because he people didn't really know much about him when he was that third round pick by the Canadians in 2019. You know, he was an overage player at that point, point. and in his first year after being drafted with Moto, he kind of raised expectations. People started paying attention to him, other than Patrick, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he had that skill set that people get so excited about with defenders when you can move the puck and, and play the way he does. And his first year in Forlunda, he had a great start then battled injuries. And then we didn't really talk about him, not because he wasn't playing, not because he was playing badly, just because he wasn't doing the things that we're used to with, with Norlander. And then the playoffs come around and we have a reason to get excited about Norlander again.
0: No, exactly. I mean, he was, uh, he was leading Forlunda in the playoffs. And even if, for luna didn't do as well in the playoffs as they had hoped it was just reassuring for the future because you kind of when a player gets these many you know semi i mean it hasn't been serious injuries but it still derailed his seasons kind of both both last year and this year um you kind of get worried that he's gonna fall off or just gonna lose kind of his touch or his game in in some sort and and then he just comes back and, and he gets a bit of playing time and just excels in the playoffs when it actually matters. As you said, with guys like Arturo and just it's good to see Norlander take a stride in the important setting, right? Because... In, in a top have, league
1: too, right? Like this yeah, is in like a top he's, league. In the, he's in a junior league or he's in the second division. Like this is the... Yeah, exactly. This is the, that was the
0: thing la- That was the thing last year as well. He was playing in Hockey yeah. I mean, even if it's ho- Hockey Allsonsken is a good league, but it's still a second tier league in Sweden. So... Yeah. Even if he was awarded with Golden Cage as the best junior in the league, he was actually quite surprised about that as well. Um, so it just even if he hasn't had the points during the regular season and he's been injured, he I mean the playoffs just showed you that there is something there. When when he just when he has his confidence, it's kind of like paling. When he just gets the confidence, you just see it and you just see that he <laughs> he dares to just take his strides and just go with the puck and and just yeah, just go for it offensively. And it just, yeah. I mean, it reminds you, obviously we shouldn't make those kind of comparisons, but it just reminds you of P.K. Subban when he yeah. was in, in Montreal. And and that kind of defenseman is just really exciting to watch. And that's kind of like, yeah. we, we missed that at the start of the season because Norlander obviously was getting accustomed to the higher tempo, uh, mm-hmm. higher pace of uh, SHL yeah. play. But just watching him doing these higher light reel plays that he can do. Yeah. And it was kind of missing at the start of the season. And you're just like, oh well, is he going to play a more safe game now? Obviously, Runberg wants him to wants him to attack, right? But he needed to adapt himself. And now, this is going to be interesting—an interesting summer for Matthias Norlander because he has one year left on his contract, and this could really be a not a make it or break it year, but a make it year for Matthias Norlander, just showing everyone what kind of a defenseman he can be for the future and for NHL an NHL future.
1: Absolutely. You know, just to, uh, you know, not everybody has lead prospects with them on, on when listening to the podcast. So in the regular season, 37 games, five goals, five assists for Norlander 10 points in the playoffs, seven games, three goals, two assists, you know? So, you know, it's, it it just, and, you know, obviously playoffs, you're playing against better teams, right? You don't play, you're not playing against the the worst teams in the league. So, you know, yeah, it's stepping up your game at that, at that point is something that is very, very, um, very, very encouraging for, for a young player, because he's still young, even though he's not a junior player anymore, but, you know, and getting the call to the to Sweden's national camp uh, for the world championships is also something that is um, obviously encouraging, even if he doesn't make the final roster, just knowing that he's on that radar mm-hmm. is, is a good thing as well. So yeah, lo- lots of, lots of, it, it was, it was a, up and down april for for the canadians and and but you know a lot there are lots of ups um mm-hmm. despite the the ups and downs and obviously going towards the 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 end of the season and and potentially the playoffs and most likely the playoffs yeah. uh we'll have you covered here on on have minded and have's eyes on the prize.com. um anton thank you for for joining me thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on have minded